Welcome to a podcast from Food and Drink Federation Scotland. FDF Scotland is the membership body for Scotland's food and drink manufacturers. We represent and support our members on the issues that are important to them. I'm Joanne Burns, Reformulation for Health Manager at FDF Scotland. This podcast is the next in the reformulation series, supporting the food and drink industry to make their products healthier. The Reformulation for Health programme, funded by Scottish Government, works to improve the nutritional profile of commonly consumed products. The programme focuses on eight key principles of reformulation, including fat, salt, sugar and calorie reduction, enriching products with fibre, fruit and vegetables, and using alternative replacement ingredients. Today, we will be chewing the fat on a range of areas. What fat is, how it affects our health, how it's used in the food industry, and different ways to reformulate. I'm delighted to be joined today to chat fat by Chris Stewart from Cardiwin, Derek Wynne from Foodology by Univar Solutions, and Harriet Heath, who works in the Reformulation for Health programme. Welcome, all of you. Now, Derek and Chris are actually two of our Reformulate partners, so they are truly committed to supporting successful reformulation. Now, everyone will recognise the term fat and know that it's a key nutrient group. But there are actually lots of different types of fat that get classified under this umbrella. These include lipids, sterols, phospholipids and triglycerides, which all play an important role in the body. Fats are needed by the body and are involved in our hormones, our cell structure and help us get fat soluble vitamins such as A, D, E and K. They also give our body fuel and at nine calories per gram are the most calorific of the nutrient groups compared to carbohydrates and proteins, which only give us four calories per gram. And this is one of the reasons we love them, as the human brain is hardwired to enjoy and stock up in fuel as a caveman survival technique. Nowadays, with more food readily available, the overconsumption of calories and fat is contributing to the public health crisis. Could you expand on this a bit more, please, Harriet? Yes, and sadly, this is hitting from a really young age. Surveys carried out by the NHS show that in 2019, 22% of primary one children were at risk of being overweight or obese. In 1990, only 15% of children in that age group fell into that category. So the numbers have been really moving in the wrong direction. If we want to reduce calorie intake, the swiftest way of doing that is to restrict fat consumption. Beyond calories, though, we're also consuming too much saturated fat. Saturated fat can contribute to coronary heart disease, which is the leading cause of death in Scotland. The Department of Health and Social Care estimates that by removing just 15% of saturated fats from the diet, we could prevent 2,600 premature deaths each year. So the benefits from these changes are huge. Thanks, Harriet. In fact, when we look at the gram amount, the UK health guidelines recommend that men should eat no more than 30 grams of saturated fat a day and women no more than 20 grams of saturated fat a day. What you might be surprised to find out is that it doesn't take an awful lot to consume that amount. Just one pat of butter contains around five grams of saturated fat. One tablespoon of coconut oil contains 9.5 grams of saturated fat and an average croissant and an average sausage roll both contain around six grams of saturated fat each. But not all fats the same though. Different types of fat have different structures and can be classified as saturated or unsaturated. 
Saturated fats tend to be solid at room temperature and can be more harmful to health, which is why they're labelled separately in food packaging, such as animal fats, butters and cheeses. And eating too much saturated fat in your diet can raise cholesterol in your blood, which can increase the risk of heart disease and stroke. Whilst unsaturated fats tend to be liquid at room temperature and can be beneficial to our health, such as olive oils. Harriet, why might food manufacturers be reviewing the fat contents in their products? What's what's driving them to consider making changes? So many consumers are shopping quite mindfully um, with health being a priority and they're using front of pack labelling to guide them. Lots of manufacturers that we've worked with have told us that if it's possible to take the opportunity to shift their traffic light labelling, from a red to amber or an amber into green, this is something that they'd really like to do. Brands might also be working towards the guideline and maximum calorie limits that are set out by the calorie reduction programme. This covers 12 categories of products across retailers, manufacturers, and the eating out, takeaway and delivery sector. These two have been factors for a while, But if we look to the horizon, we can see HFSS, which is quite a buzzword at the moment. And it describes foods as being high in fat, sugar or salt. The Scottish Government has recently consulted on the introduction of promotional restrictions of products considered to be HFSS. This is in the footsteps of similar restrictions introduced this year in England. The HFSS status of a product is dictated by its nutrient profile score. This is calculated by benchmarking the contribution made by beneficial ingredients that are particularly important in a children's diet. So that's fruits, vegetables and nuts against those in the foods that children should be limiting. So that's energy, saturated fats, sugars and sodium. Many manufacturers in Scotland are now working out their own nutrient profile scores to gauge if their ranges would fall in scope. But those who already supply England might have already done this and started to reformulate to avoid any restrictions. Joanne and I can help manufacturers to work out their own scores and to map out and achieve any adjustments that would bring your own product back out of scope. Thanks, Harriet. And thinking back to the calorie value of fat at nine cals per gram, it really is the best and most efficient way to reduce both calories as well as fat, which can help reduce your A points when calculating your nutrient profile modelling scores, so those nutrients that need to be reduced. Many manufacturers also like to consider front of pack health claims, which can help make their products stand out from the crowd, such as a lower fat health claim, which means the products get no more than three grams of fat per hundred grams, or a fat free health claim when a product would have less than 0.5 grams of fat per hundred grams. Now, moving on, Chris, as a development chef, you'll have lots of experience working with fats and food. Can you explain the functionalities that fat brings to food and why it's used so much, why why it's so important? Yeah, so the key fact with fat and one maybe one of the things that most people have heard is fat is flavour. You know, this gets banded about and it is actually true because the influence it has on all different styles of food. I mean, it's a fundamental ingredient because it affects the appearance the flavour, the texture, so if you think about the tenderness of the crumb in a cake, um, the shelf life, 
the fact that the fat melts slower in your on your tongue, no matter what product's in, so the flavour lingers. So it's one of the key elements in most cooking, uh, be it from a professional kitchen to a manufacturer, where they're making a product for somebody to buy from the shelf, is key to carry flavour also. So it's one of these um, ingredients that can't just be removed. It has to be there in some form. Thank you, Chris. And I think that really helps to show how it's it really is such an important functional ingredient and any reduction really does need to be managed correctly. And especially within the bakery industry, which I know you're more focused in, I mean, things yeah. like the Maillard reaction for browning and texture and lightness uh-huh. of a product, it can, it can be so important. Yeah. Um, Derek, you must also speak to lots of manufacturers about fat reduction. What do you hear are the main drivers for them considering fat reduction at the moment? And, and, and actually, if you don't mind me asking, if those have changed over time? Yeah, I mean, I've been in the food industry now for what, uh, nearly 15 years. Um, reformulation's always been an important part of the uh, NPD process. You have mentioned, uh, both of you have mentioned it now, um, at the start of this podcast about the uh, front of pack. The front of pack used to be the back of pack. So now, now the traffic light system, it seems to be a wee bit of almost like a wall of shame. So I think a big driver, uh, you know, on that is obviously, the, you know, the fact that the, the traffic light system is now at the front of the pack. Consumers are much more educated in what they're eating. Therefore, they're looking for and demanding better and healthier products without obviously um, damaging the quality of the product. So some of the drivers, obviously, calorie reduction, which has, has been mentioned, is say that that's massive because, say, obviously, with the the traffic light system on the front it's a quick and easy way for consumers to actually see you know is this product sitting you know sitting well with my lifestyle cost is a massive driver now always has been there but i think probably with the um the supply chain issues that the uh, the industry is having at the moment i would say that cost is is now rocketed up there to a, a you know a major major driver thank you very much derek um, and i think you're absolutely right the both the health and the cost aspect are are going to be two things that businesses will will definitely be focusing on as we as we move forward. The Reformulation for Health programme has an online toolkit on our website, which provides free to access resources for food manufacturers to consult. Our comprehensive guide to reformulation gives some methods to consider to anyone reviewing the fats in their product. These include looking for an unsaturated fat alternative if possible, such as using an oil instead of a solid fat for frying, changing your cooking method, such as swapping from frying a product to baked instead. And some process changes can help reduce fat, as has been done with crisp products, to enable them to reduce the calories and fat and consider NPM or front of pack labelling. In some composite dishes, there may be one ingredient that's contributing a lot of fat across a range of products, And this can be partially substituted, such as reducing the amount of red meat in a pie and replacing it with pulses or vegetables, or using a lower fat product in ready meals, such as a macaroni cheese. Now, we've mentioned a few different categories, which just goes to show how widely and differently fat is used across the food industry. Are there key product types or sectors that you see are reformulating for fat reduction, Derek, or do you think it's just been done across the board? Um, to be honest, across the board, I mean, obviously, having spent nearly a decade working in the meat industry, um, there was a big push, obviously, because, you know, the uh, the fat and meat products, um, you know, obviously, that was a big focus for a number of years. So, yeah, it's def- definitely something that, uh, as I say, there's been a, a big focus for over the number of years. But as I say, I think that's now infiltrated to across all sectors. 
you know, whether that's um, dairy, bakery, as they obviously meats there, um, you know, snacks, crisps, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's definitely um, across the board. And with within your business, within Foodology, are there some products that you feel are easier to reduce the fat in than others? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, Chris has touched, you know, on, on the use of fat. So it will really be dependent on the, the product and the reliance of what that actually does. Um you know, and, and the product, I mean, for instance, um, years ago, I worked on um, a reduced fat sausage um, where my colleague, the technologist, had managed to work the magic, reduce the fat, um, but also the salt and converted the product to gluten free. So it was it was quite, quite a um, quite a change um, and it worked perfectly. The only thing that was missing was a kind of sweetness to that, that the fat was obviously given. So at the time, um, and I say this was a number of years ago at the time, our only really kind of um, way on that was adding a little bit of dextrose, which probably, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, our customers now wouldn't want to go down that route. So thankfully, obviously, as as the years progress, we've got more and more new um, products to, to, to use on that one. But that basically helped give that kind of sweet, fatty taste. So, um, yeah, it, it can be difficult depending, obviously, on the product. Thanks very much, Derek. And I think that really just highlights how reformulation isn't always a a one size fits all. I mean, as you're saying with the sausage there, it was fat reduction, it was calorie reduction, it was gluten free. There was, there was lots of other areas of reformulation that, that people were working on as well as just fat reduction. Now, one way that we can support manufacturers is to review and benchmark their nutritional specifications and identify where the fat or saturated fat in their product is coming from. This could be from a raw ingredient or a pre-prepared ingredient that's been through a manufacturer already. Finding a healthier ingredient to replace an existing one can make for very easy reformulation. Now, Chris, I believe you have developed a range of reduced fat products for the bakery sector that can be used in both sweet and savoury products. Do you mind taking to the uh, taking to the floor and explaining a little bit more about this to us? Not more than happy. So during lockdown, we concentrated on MPD and future developments. And obviously, as you say, HFSS is on the horizon. And obviously, there's been a few changes to when and uh, Scotland's in the next few years. So this was an area for us to look at. And we've done a lot of work on our MPD. And at the end, we had two new products, uh, both 65% reduced fat. We've got pastry, which is for uh, lamination. So like puff pastry, any laminated goods. And 65% reduced fat cake. Um, so for sponges, biscuits, uh, everything you can think of, sweet and savoury. And then extensive, once we have these extensive testing in the bakery of what you would class as high street products. So things you would see in your bakery, in your supermarket, things that people put in their baskets to take home so that we could measure these against the same recipe, but used with standard fat. So we can check as we're talking about the appearance, the flavour, uh, the texture, the mouthfeel, the aroma, two blows of blind taste testing. So there's lots and lots of baking going on, but it's also to measure uh, the outcome. So with the 65% fat cake, how easy or how tricky or is the reformulation? <clears throat> so it's very straightforward with the 65% cake. So even though we've got 15% less fat, what we found was the same rise, the same oven, Oven temperature, the same cooking time. So we've done a straight swap on the recipe. We didn't make any adjustments. We would take a Victoria sponge, a lemon drizzle, a sticky toffee pudding, a chocolate brownie, whatever 
kind of recipe that we know people would, would be eating and just swap the fats out and then measure the results. And these were all exceedingly positive. So we've got lots of data on that. But with the 65% pastry for lamination, there is more to the reformulation, which whenever we've dealt with a customer, we have to discuss through this and support them because it isn't as simple as taking 15% out of the recipe of water and then making it because it doesn't work. So it's, it's very recipe dependent, as Derek was saying earlier. It's depending on the recipe for puff pastry you're laminating, then we can guide the person, the customer, the MPD team towards the correct or at least narrow the margin for them in their MPD. But the key is, especially the puff pastry, when you make puff pastry, the lamination, is that we have what we call as the drum method and not the liquid fill. So there's only about four or five companies in the world that still produce this. And the easiest way to explain this without getting too technical is think of tempering chocolate. So it's a flake that we form on a belt that cools and it's the crystallization. And then because of this, this creates what we call good plasticity. So it means you can handle it. You can sheet it till laminate it between the layers nice and even without it coming shooting out the sides or cracking it handles very 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 similar and you can sheet it down to about four mils is the average but a lot of places would go thinner and it'll rise to five centimeters in height so it's a very good rise you expect 10 times a rise but we are getting on average between 14 and 16 times a rise so that's the key for us is in the npd of these products could we go to our customers with a product that we could say works and we've tested it and we've proved that it does work, which is what we've done for the last couple of years. And I confirm that having tasted Chrissy's lemon drizzle cake and yes. I think maybe a chocolate cake, but we won't go into that. Um, no, no, both no. With, the, with, with the reduced fat um, ingredient, they were absolutely beautiful. You couldn't, um, you couldn't taste any difference. That's the key for us. People don't go because if anybody's ever bought for any reason a, a healthy bar, won't name any products, but there are plenty of them out there and they're never cheap. They, you may as well have really just put a piece of cardboard most of the times and save a bit of packaging and maybe stuck some dried fruit on it. I mean, the key is if you can reduce fat but keep the flavour, you're on a winner to get the customer to buy the product for maybe even the manufacturer to make it more easier for them to buy into doing this to make the changes. Yeah. And so am I right in thinking, Chris, if a business was listening to our podcast and was interested in learning more about the products and how they could be used within their business, that you'd be able to kind of guide them through the kind of practical yeah. application of the ingredients? Yeah, yeah definitely. Because we've already um, you know, dealing with customers already looking at HFSS, uh, but also, also customers looking at new MPD for the future for when Scotland changes and the rule of the HFSS and the regulations as you know, the front of packaging. So, yeah, anybody who has questions or thoughts or, or dipping the toe into this, this new world of reformulation, then yeah, I can definitely point them in the right direction. Uh, I see I've got lots of information and lots of lovely pictures of food. Happy to share. Um, but yeah, out there to support. Fantastic. Um, and it's an amazing to hear about the innovation that's going on behind that and just how easily it can be implemented into an existing process by a manufacturer. But am I right in thinking that as well as being healthier for consumers, it's also healthier for a bit the business's finances, Chris? It is because it's a, a reduced fat product, so it's not the same price as your full fat product. So especially, as we've already touched on, 
um, the financial situation now, you know, every penny counts. So this is something that you know, a lot of our customers may have started on the HFSS, but now as time goes on, as you know, the NPD is now for a quick process and this is coming out of the factor also so we're getting maybe more interest in the products and it can be the cost that's driving it at this moment with at the back of the mind the hfss is on the horizon so it can be two birds one stone absolutely now as well as bakering there's many other manufacturing processes that will require a different approach Derek, can you tell us about other innovative ingredients um, that can be used for fat reduction and how you would go about this process with a manufacturer? Yeah, well, <clears throat> like you say, there's, there's certain products, but, but equally it might just be, you know, a change in the, uh, the production process, for instance, slight tweak of recipes. So, so you, you really don't know until you, you get into the, the project. Um, in terms of a product, we have, we have a product called Innovation 2920. Uh, it's a fat emetic. Um, so basically what that does is it helps create that fatty mouthfeel um, in your mouth. Um, it's a non-functioning starch. Um, it's declared as corn flour. So it's very much uh, a clean label ingredient. Um, and I say, it, it's very, very popular. And it's one of our, one of our kind of, uh, you know, popular products. And we're, we're quite proud to have it in our portfolio. To give you an idea of, of how it works in terms of applications. So recently I had a chef who had created a sauce. Um, but the sauce included the fresh cream. Um, this caused a, a huge headache for the customer, obviously with shelf life and with cost. So we worked with them. Um, we suggested the, the Innovation 2020. So basically they used that in the recipe, had a few tweaks, but ultimately what they managed to do was they managed to remove the fresh cream completely, thus giving them a longer shelf life, but also reduced their uh, costs massively. Um, so say that that's just one, you know, one kind of application. The 2020 can be used in products such as sauces, uh, burgers, sausages, bakery, or, or even in the, the you know the biscuit um, sector as well. Thank you very much, Derek. That's really interesting to hear about the range of products that um, that ingredient can be used across, and and some of the solutions that are available. Do you mind explaining to me how your, your process of engaging with a business actually works in reality? How do you start that process of supporting reformulation if a business comes to you? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's fairly straightforward. Uh, starts with talking, really. It's, it's, not, it's not that difficult. Um, so obviously, us as a business, we, we, are, we are, you know, engaging with our customers on, on a daily basis. Um, whether it's um, you know person or, or NPD, we find out you know what 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 projects are they working on, you know what, what's the difficulties that uh, difficulties they're experiencing. So for instance, if an NPD person says actually I've been tasked with uh, bringing the calories down in, in one area, I would like to look on that as as fat. So there's myself, obviously I'm the first protocol, I'm the, uh, the account manager. Um, I'm then fortunate enough to be backed up by uh, a technical sales manager. Um, so the ideal scenario is we would actually go in um, to the site. I think nothing beats going in, seeing how a product is made. You get an understanding of basically how that product is made and then how you can make a difference. Um, and it's really all about um, working with them. So say our technical sales manager has um, a range of different microscopes so we can they can basically um, analyze the products um, you know, un underneath the scope to see, because obviously starch can be quite a, a complicated uh, product. Um, customers can sometimes uh, over overcook it or undercook it, um, use too much of it. So in this in this current climate, um, you know, if we were to tell a customer actually you can reduce your usage, um, you know, you you can imagine that that that's obviously a, a you know 
a massive selling point because uh, yeah, say cost right now with all ingredients shooting up, you know anything that you can look at um, helping reduce costs certainly would be would be flavoured on. But I say we get a lot of concerns where you know some companies maybe don't have the resources to to have an MPD um, department. That's where you know likes of ourselves could come in and we can offer as much support as they need to say. We can be on site as, as often um, as they need, or if they prefer just to kind of get on with it, then we can, you know, advise from a distance. Thank you very much, Derek and Chris. It's been so interesting hearing about your different products and, and how they can be applied within food manufacturing. Harriet, can you add to this advice for manufacturers who might be thinking about cutting down on their fat? Um, any businesses that, that you've been working with? Um, yeah, so as Derek says, there are loads of options out there. It's just a case of finding your fit, really. Um, one of our manufacturers, Strathmore Foods, achieved outstanding results in their own project. So they've made very small adjustments. They switched to a lower fat cheese ingredient. Because this then benefits so many other final products, the benefits of this are phenomenal. And their work is set to remove over 109 million calories each year. We've also done a lot of work with ice cream, one of which was a brand who wanted to shift the traffic light labels to make the product feel more accessible by their consumers. We were actually able to team them up with the final year food science students from Glasgow Caledonian University who did a lot of theoretical and practical work on their behalf. Using a combination of inulin and starch, they were actually able to make a really smooth, light, pleasing ice cream. It was very similar to the original recipe, but it contained 30% less saturated fat. That's great advice, Harriet, um, to really focus on one component that's used across a wide range of products. So making one small change can really impact on many product ranges. Now, I hope you agree that we've given you a few fat reformulation ideas to consider when thinking about fat reduction and replacement from using reduced fat ingredients, swapping to saturated fat alternatives, identifying the higher fat components across your product range to using fibres and fat replacers and the importance of reformulating, given that two thirds of adults and 30% of children in Scotland are currently living with overweight and obesity. But before we finish off, I'd like to ask Chris and Derek and Harriet if they have one final piece of advice or a top tip to people listening who may be thinking about reducing the fat contents of their products. So I'll start with you, Chris, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. Um, I think, in a way, what Derek says is reach out and talk. I think a lot of companies are very wary of changing like a major ingredient in their product um, for reformulation because the worry is that it won't sell as well. So because of all the work that's done from Cardown, if they reach out, they talk, they start that conversation and let's see where it leads is, you know, the future's coming. People are looking for healthier, lower fat. The legislation is going to be there. So if you want to keep your prime position and keep your customers you have to consider reformulation. Fantastic, Chris. Perfectly said. And what about yourself, Derek? Yeah, just to echo what Chris has said, um, you know, for people don't feel they have to do it on their own um, because, say, we're, we're very uh, fortunate um, that we obviously kind of 
you know, discuss different sectors of business, food, food and drink. Um, and there's probably a case where we've already worked on something similar. So we can pass on that, you know, that experience. Our suppliers have all got, um, you know, base recipes, etc., to help as much as possible. But but really, the, the first start is uh, picking up the phone or, or dropping an email and, and saying, look, I need some help. There's no shame in that. Yeah, absolutely. I think we would both definitely echo what you're saying about picking up the phone and, and, and talking about your challenges. And what about yourself, Harry? Is there anything you would like to um, suggest for businesses to consider? Yeah, I mean, that's solid, solid advice about just talking. And um, Joanne and I are able to um, piece together what you need, where you are, where you want to be and to link, link you in with partners. I would also say find a way to work smart. So you can do some very basic market research, benchmark your own products against others that are just on the shelves available to buy. Compare the nutritional spec and the ingredients lists. You'll very quickly notice key ingredients that you know then can be used for your own application. This is something that Joanne and I do lots of when we're starting work on a new category. And it's a really good way of just getting the ball rolling. If you're not sure where to start, that's a really useful thing to do. Fantastic, Harriet. Thank you. Now, finally, I hope we've given you all food for thought on how to reduce the fat content of your recipes and using alternative ingredient solutions. For businesses within Scotland who are interested in starting a reformulation project, please get in touch with the Reformulation for Health team at reformulation at fdfscotland.org.uk. We can assist you with benchmarking your products against public health targets and labelling claims offer support in developing your reformulation action plan and also put you in touch with ingredient companies such as Cardowan and Foodology by Univar Solutions who can assist you to reformulate. So it just leaves me to say thank you so much to Chris, Derek and Harriet for taking part today and joining me to chat fat. And finally, thank you for listening to this podcast from FDF Scotland. You can find out more about our work and if you're a food and drink business, how to join us at www.fdfscotland.org.uk. Thank you.